Well, if you have been through an Advent or two in the church, you probably have a particular picture of John the Baptist in your mind. Scruffy guy in the wilderness, hasn't seen a shower in a while, wild hair, animal skins for clothes. He eats a foraged diet of locusts and wild honey because he's just far too busy exhorting the people to bother with a campfire and cooking anything. And speaking of the exhortations, we picture him, well, yelling at people at a pretty high volume, telling them to repent or calling them a brood of vipers. Let's just say he probably wouldn't make it very far in a parish search committee. Now, John stands in a long line of Hebrew prophets. We picture all of them a bit like John, out in the wilderness with a message so urgent that they don't have the time or patience to craft a gentle sermon in order to bring everybody along. To be a prophet in that tradition, I think you probably have to be an eight on the Enneagram, willing to offend people in order to tell the truth. The prophetic tradition is filled with righteous anger over the errant ways of God's people, how they mistreat one another, and how they turn away from God. I think of John as the last great prophet in that tradition, throwing words at the crowd like, repent, wrath, unquenchable fire. Now, any preacher will tell you that as soon as you call the congregation a brood of vipers, they pretty much won't hear anything you say after that. But John's message is actually a really beautiful one, and somehow the people managed to get past that viper comment, and they were filled with hope. I want to take a closer look at the whole brood of vipers thing or children of snakes because there's a chance that we have been hearing it wrong all these years. Now, on the surface, it seems like a fierce insult. People back then mistakenly thought that the baby vipers eat their way out of their mother and kill her off in the process. But John might have had something else in mind. If you would indulge me in a planet Earth or wild kingdom moment here. When vipers are hatched, they stay together until they are mature. But if something threatens them, they spread out and they flee. And by the time John is preaching in the wilderness, the tensions have been building in Jerusalem, which will eventually lead to a Jewish revolt, and a crushing victory for the Romans. Perhaps the people coming out to see John sense that mounting danger and are leaving the comfort and security of their lives in the city for a little refuge in the wilderness and the hope of a prophet. Brood of vipers might be more of a description than an insult. Now, in the midst of the upheaval and uncertainty, they ask John what to do. Now, his answer is surprisingly tame for a fiery prophet. 
you have two coats or extra food, give to those who don't. If you're a tax collector, don't take extra money for yourself. If you're a soldier, don't extort money from the people you serve. There's nothing new here in John's message. These are basic expectations for how to treat one another. Frankly, it's kind of a low bar coming from someone so extreme. John is basically saying, take care of one another in this time of change. And let go of what you don't need, especially the stuff in your hearts that keep you from loving God and your neighbor. Throw out all that chaff. Let it burn away. John's message is a good word for us, too. We are in a time of great change and upheaval. Everything seems to be changing, and we don't know what things will look like going forward. Church is no exception. Like the residents of Jerusalem in the first century, it's tempting to scatter and isolate, to just take care of our own. But the ancient wisdom still applies to stay in community and to do it well, according to the holy standards set for us by the law and the prophets. It's a good place to start under any circumstance. As John reminds his congregation of these sort of basic guidelines, Luke tells us that the people become filled with expectation. They even wonder if John is the Messiah, the one who will fulfill all their hope. What John says next in the wilderness is the most important thing of all. There is one coming who is more powerful, who will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. There's one coming who will bring the fullness of all the ancient prophets' vision to life. There is one coming who will fulfill our deepest hope. The prophet Isaiah once foretold the vision like this. Those in exile will find a home. The wilderness, usually so harsh and dry, will rejoice and bloom. People who suffer will be healed. The eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Streams will spring up in the desert and a road will emerge called the Holy Way for all of God's people to find their way back to Zion. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. It's a stunning vision of healing and wholeness. Now fast forward for a moment to John the Baptist, who will find himself in prison not too long from today's passage. He's heard rumors about this Jesus and wonders if he is the one to bring about Isaiah's vision. Jesus sends messengers to report back to John what they are actually seeing and hearing, not just a hopeful idea, but a new reality on the ground. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. Jesus' very presence in the world has caused Isaiah's vision to come to life. 
When Jesus comes near, death in all of its forms is overpowered. People's bodies and spirits are healed. There is even resurrection. He just has that effect on the world. What John preaches is the essence of Advent. Christ, who is the embodiment of everything Isaiah and John and all the prophets hoped for, is coming into the world. We're invited to throw our faith into that miracle of God becoming flesh to heal this world. In the words of former presiding bishop Catherine Jefford Shorey, Advent is the season when Christians are called to live with more hope than the world thinks is reasonable. Now, one of my favorite stories for this time of year comes from the writer Phyllis Tickle about the time when a young woman approached her after a lecture with a question about the virgin birth. Phyllis assumed that this young woman would be a cynic, too young or smart or sophisticated to believe in such a quaint idea. Oh no, the young woman replied when asked her position. It must be true because it's so beautiful. That young woman stands in a long and faithful line from Isaiah to John the Baptist to Mary and to all those who have dreamt of the day when God will heal this world. We may still be waiting this Advent, and we might be tempted to scatter in the face of uncertainty. But John reminds us to stay together. There are concrete signs of the world's redemption already in the life and death and resurrection of Christ. And the full vision coming must be true because it's so beautiful. Amen.